A three, two. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's doing the. Go. Who's doing the... Hey, welcome hey. back. More <laughs> master... <laughs> you got to give us time. If I've got nothing, Alan, do you have anything for the intro? <laughs> Not thought about a thing, but if you lead, I will do something. Oh, All right, that sounds good. All right, then in three, two, and one. And welcome back to another episode of Even More Mashed Up, the pop culture podcast featuring two professors and the occasional special guest, hint, hint, talking about all things pop culture. I'm Patrick. And I'm Alan. And our special guest today is... Hope. <laughs> yeah, Hope is here. Is here back for the Riverdale episode many, many moons ago. And now um, we hope that we don't have any multi-connections discord as we talk about a star-filled movie fault in our stars that's not very good no, i know but good at all hey do you want to mention who hope is for viewers that that haven't heard the riverdale episode do so you think any viewer or listener whatever <laughs> so hope is our resident culture expert on all things related and she's my daughter there we go. <laughs> oh, and Rich is here today, too. As usual, since I'm the one who calls it. That's right. Well, you don't just record it. Like, you manage the show. You're like the show runner. You, you count down. <laughs> On you occasion, I even wait for you to be ready when I count down. That's right. <laughs> You've got, you know, you, you always have something to say. Usually about how you haven't consumed the pop culture that we're talking about for the particular show. Pretty went and watched Fault in Our Stars since we talked about it. You seen it, Rich? I was about to ask what show we're doing today. Okay. I have not seen. Fault yes, Hope has Hope has wanted to do like a podcast on various romantic comedies. So yes, finally, we, it's well, only we, been like a year now. Does this really count as a comedy? I don't know. She, it's a rom com or a rom drom. Do they call them rom droms? More of a rom drom, I would say. Classic teenage. Oh, once upon a time you could, but we'll talk about that later. Once upon a time you could what? You <laughs> could talk about um, like a, a typical teen romance that didn't have much suffering and sadness in. Oh, uh, I've seen the trailers for this one. Okay. So Rich is. is expert as he ever gets for the yeah because so. yeah, you know you know what's really you know what's really romantic let's say i it. don't want to know yeah. cancer thyroid cancer yeah oh i think someone just wikipedia <laughs> yeah. i must say that it seems like uh we're gonna have a romance expert on the show i'm not sure how to be you though. wow that's the tea Hey, you know what's more romantic than cancer? What's that? Statutory rape. Oh, no. Uh -oh. We're already there. Yeah, we're there. I, Wait, what, are you talking about in the movie or in I'm real life? I'm talking about in the movie. Yeah, he's 18 and she's not. Terrible. It's terrible. Hey. Now, it's it's an interesting oral line that you're drawing here, given your position on and student relationships in Okay, fact. see, see, no, 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 no. Really? Oh, he I, am allowed, I, I am allowed to evolve, and thus I have evolved. 
you so do you wait, wait, wait. You think that Archie and Grundy are okay together, but you're not. No, okay. I do not. No, Senegal. I do not. He nope. did. Evolved past that position. I have evolved. Yes. The past week. No, no, no. It's been it's been a long time. I mean, really, really watching Fault in Our Stars has changed me. Best part is that you acknowledge that you did adopt that position. I acknowledge that you cast myself as acknowledging that position. I, I feel like that's a win for me today. It's a slight win, but I'm hoping maybe we can put a pin in it and move on. Guessing that there's many a rom-com you watched in the 80s that had similar statutory rape um, problems. In. Did they have... I didn't watch rom-coms. I would think so. Yeah, I can't really think of one that I would have watched in the 80s. I mean, when Harry met Sally, but I don't think there was anything statutory there. Aaron Collins. Okay, um, but is it really that bad in this? Because I, I Patrick is trying to draw a legal definition about the both. The other thing that bothered me about the movie. Well, we'll get into it. I have fun facts. Yeah. I have fun facts about the movie. Can I just be clear. You're bringing. <clears throat> Fun facts. Now, like, isn't that really inappropriate? Like, we're talking about a movie about mm. teen cancer and death, and you think we should leave, I want to be clear, with fun facts. <laughs> movie, though. It's really, more of, it's really more of a quiz. I think we should have a fun quiz. Yeah, but I called them fun facts because you, you like the alliteration. Why? But why would you bring fun to this at all? Like this is obviously going to be a somber and serious conversation. I'm not sure it's going to be. I mean, it should be. It's probably not going to be. All right, give us your fun. Give us the fun. All right. Really so, can't. the Fault in Our Stars was nominated for 18 Choice Awards in 2014. Eight of them. That's impressive. How many of the eight did it win? No, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say all eight. I'm gonna say seven. Rich, would you like to take a guess? I would say two. Hope oh is God. correct. Yeah. Yes, this was a yeah. big deal. Like no, my this... generation latched on to this. Yeah, John Green's oh. movie are a big deal. It's true. Yes. So I've got another fun fact. That one wasn't fun. Like I don't, I don't see the fact. fun. In Just a number disguised as fun. No, yeah. no, numbers are fun facts because numbers are fun. So uh, The Fault in Our Stars was nominated for six Best Film Awards between the MTV Movie Awards, People's Choice Awards, Kids' Choice Awards, Young Hollywood Awards, Teen Choice Awards, and the Golden Space Neal Award, which that's the prize at the Seattle, uh, Seattle Film Festival. How can that be possible if it, if it had eight at the Teen Choice? It only have six total. Six Best Film Awards. They also got nominations for actors and things like that. They got it. All right. Uh, so of the six Best Film Awards, how many did it win? Oh, it's got to be at least a one. 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 The only reason Patrick would ask this question is because he wants to demonstrate that it was a terrible film, even though he loved it. I'm going to say... I'm gonna say all six. I didn't hear Hope's answer. What was Hope's answer? Did two. two. Uh, well, the answer is five. I was close. Really? 
Yes, it did not get the best film award at the Golden Space Needle, the Seattle Film Festival. It got all the other ones. A real one, anyway. Yes. The Golden Space Award. (laughs) I just, you know, I just was listening to all the awards. Hey, it makes it a Uh, golden list and everybody wants it. So the total budget for The Fault in Our Stars was $12 million. $12 billion? Million. $12 million. (laughs) A lot of money to spend. How much in total worldwide box office do you think this film made? 50. $50? Hope, did you have a guess? I have no idea. Okay. On a budget of 12 million, the movie made 307 million. So I was I was really close. Wow. No. 307, that's pretty close. Yeah, no. Yeah. $50 so, million. Dollars. Anywho, those are my fun facts about the Golden Earth Stars. I.e. numbers. Of which were fun. So a quiz is never fun, by the way. Oh, people love quizzes. Quizzes is one of our staples on this show. This is one of our staples. <laughs> <laughs> the second statement is 100% true. I don't know if the first one is. One of our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone loves the quizzes. Um, no. Quizzes is loved by everyone. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that we've had our fun, I guess. There we go. Yeah. So let's get to talking about this great movie. Talk about the movie first, or do you want to talk about Ansel Elgort, which has become temporary, like news today? Yeah. Yeah. That is. I noticed that is kind of ironic. I was going to say bad timing. Yeah. yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Well, of course, he's caught up in accusations of sexual assault. Yes, that when he was in his 20s, he apparently is accused of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old. You know, there's a term, legal term for that. I don't remember what this, the legal term would be. Yeah. Well, me, I don't know that this really gets us talking about the movie. I mean, I, yeah. obviously, all you want to do is talk about rape culture today, which we can well, do. No. Yeah, we can come back to it. Or, but I will say that the movie lost me within the first five minutes. Oh, what? Yes. Me, the movie lost me. And unfortunately, I lost all my notes because my phone died. Taken notes on my phone, an app that I could not remember. Mm. I don't remember what the opening voiceover is. It's like, this is not going to be your standard romance and at that point yes. i was like i i'm done with this I movie would like to correct because that. okay i know it's going to be my standard team so, it yeah. was never said that it wasn't going to be standard romance what it just wasn't going to be the happiest whole people fall in love i believe these are both beautiful people Woodley uh, and Angela are beautiful people physically, physically yeah. at least but yeah, the fact no, that it's the, debatable means he... Yeah. The voiceover was not what lost me, even though I generally don't like films with, with a lot of voiceover. The, the voiceover at the, at the beginning, it was the first note I took. I'm like, I, I, I'm suspicious. But what lost you, Patrick? I'm sorry. The very poor treatment of, of one particular character at the beginning. Patrick. The guy running the, the support group. 
You'll have to remind me. Oh, what, what, yes, what? He's the one with. He's the one that had testicular cancel. That Hazel makes all kind of jokes about having his uh, balls cut off. I thought that was nice. Oh yeah. Well, I think poor guy has testicular cancer, and she basically mocks him. Is like now he spends his life, you know, playing, living at home with his parents, playing video games, and you know, making his latch hook Jesus carpet. But I'm like, wow, Hazel. I mean, he could spend his whole life sitting at home reading the same book over and over, but apparently that's a lofty goal. Wow. At least it's an intellectual book and not video game. Sorry. But the, the truth of the matter is, I think that he's treated poorly by Hazel. Yet, I think that there's a certain kind of team. Yes. I feel like you don't really understand. Susan. I don't really understand what hope? Teenagers. I'm not sure this movie understands teenagers because I didn't really think that either of these, again, much like Riverdale, these characters seemed like what, you know, middle-aged men think teenagers sound like. Oh, the, my notes say Dawson's Creek. It had okay. A very Dawson's Creek vibe to it where all of the kids are really well-read. Yes, they're, I just kept thinking about all of Veronica's references to Truman Capote in Riverdale. They're all like very, they're all very articulate, and they all have an emotional and an intellectual maturity. Might not be exactly. What's that hope? I mean, I would say that friends to read and so I didn't feel like it was. The well, maybe but Patrick. Not everyone. Maybe we're remembering our teenage years. We were not as well read. I just, I, yeah, it just, it seemed very. Also, I, you know, I, I couldn't deal with uh, Ansel Elcourt's portrayal of of Augustus Waters. First off, the name Augustus Waters, like that, that name, like that's terrible. Name. It reminds me of Charlie and the Chac uh, Charlie. Terrible name. Oh, Augustus Gloop. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. Is it remember Augustus? But. It's a very John Green kind of name, like Augustus, like Augustus Waters. It's true. Just so it's it's like oh, mythical it's... and magical. Oh Jesus! Oh, it's oh, mythical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember the oh, Greek great. myth of Augustus. <laughs> uh, I made a mistake yesterday as I was preparing for the show. Mm-hmm. Went to the John Green panel. I love him. Oh my God, he is just. I couldn't watch for more than a couple of minutes. Crash any of them. Videos. They they all run like three or four minutes. He's got like this at least dorky. Oh, I was really dorky in high school, but now I'm not. Oh my. Ugh. Just... I'm talking about the John Tube Green. I just know that now he does these in his my like, five minutes long and I'm explaining something. I wish I had known this. Because I would be fied, somewhat curious. And the one I'd like to talk about really great books that nobody else has read because my book Searching for Alaska or whatever. Looking for Alaska. Looking for Alaska is number one on the New York Times in the USA today. It was just like this, like 
simply humble brag, look at me looking out for other people, but I'm really just self-promoting. I do not care for John Green, I've decided. I don't like the fact that he is a middle thing books about about teenagers. Get that, Patrick. Get what you said. Um I still think I'm not hearing anything right now. Yeah, we Catch lost you. Yeah, we lost you guys completely. Oh, for how long? Uh, Hope said, "I still think," and then I heard nothing. Oh, still thanks. <laughs> He's better than a lot of oh. the teen romance writers. That if you're working. gonna, yeah, if you're gonna compare him to other authors, again, Hope went out after. If you're gonna compare him to other authors, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but yeah, you guys keep cutting out as soon as you guys are, cut, you are cutting out a lot today. Uh, Hope, speak, uh, talk much closer to the mic, and maybe the microphone just not picking up anything that's at, uh, under a certain volume. Okay, well, I just was... If you compare him as an author to other authors writing teenage... He's one of the authors. Well, you cut again. Take your word for it, because I have not read other... But is that a good like basis like if everyone's bad and then somebody's slightly better than the bad people does that mean he's good i feel like you guys should read the book because you've only seen the movie <laughs> wow actually asking us to work i think i might have out. a fair foul on that uh let's see uh yes i do have i have a fair foul that's related to that Ooh. I read it from uh, Kayla Cobb of decider.com. Uh, she writes, quote, take one of heartthrob Augustus waters, most memorable lines. You put in quote, you put an object of death right between your lips, but you don't give it the power to kill you. Reading that sentence was as romantic and deep as green likely intended, but actually seeing a cocky teenager say them ugh to the max <laughs> through no fault of his own. Angel Elgar's take on Augustus Waters consistently felt like the most insufferable guy in everyone's high school. Okay, I think that... Yeah, okay. That line is great. Um, I think that line is the best lines in the entire movie. I think it's really, really... That hard. line works better in the book than it does in the film, as do many of the lines. I think that Ansel Elgort actually did a really good. My dad even said oh, in he... the scene where he's crying in the car yeah. at the gas station. The end. I think Ansel Elgort can actually really act. I think he's very talented. I think Shailene Woodley is a really good actor. She's amazing. She's better than he is. I think this is a movie where material doesn't measure up to the. It's probably true. Oh, is that? I think. I. I think. <coughs> the Augustus Waters character comes off much more insufferable in the film than he may have in the book. I, I like found him. I, I, I'll agree. I think the, the scene where he's crying at the end, I thought that was very well done. But for a lot of it, there was just this smarminess about him that I, I did not like. Uh, that there was just kind of, you know, he just kind of had this constant smirk 
Um, and I think towards the end, they tried to kind of play it up that that was like his defense mechanism. But of, along with many other things, I didn't feel like the film did enough to really make that resonate. I, again, I think there you have a movie with talentedders in it, but script was the script because it was the book. Yeah. Or just, or just you know, movie and his YouTube channel, it all starts to make sense. I think that he to be me i think that john green might not be quite as clever as he thinks sure yeah you yeah he's freaking out i apologize um but again i don't think augustus waters is sufferable like you're i don't know god he's so that oh well I, i'm somewhere in the middle i live in a boy's dorm right now. i've been around like eight boys a year past years and that insufferability is part of being probably true it's part of being what team the 21st century back in the 80s patrick when you were a teen people were kind and there's no snarkiness true we were we were a much better you know kind of person back then I don't believe that for a second. Oh yeah, yeah, we were much better, much more salt of the earth. You didn't like salt of the earth. My kind of salt of the earth. There you go. I mean, there's diff there's different kinds of salt. Like there's you know there's like there's regular salt and there's sea salt and and you know there's all these different kinds of salt. So I do like you know? Salt. I'm one kind of salt. You know, other people are other kinds of salt. Does this have to do anything? It's a hard, right it's a hard question to answer, but it's a metaphor. Why does is sea salt so valued? Now? It's just your table salt. It, like it's just a weird thing to me that like <laughs> all of a sudden sea salt is from a salt or whatever when it's all just salt. Okay, it's a tangent. The show is built on tangents. I'm just been on the show before Holt. that's that's you know like 90 percent of the show is is tangible. but a viewer as you said is gonna listen and they're gonna be like i thought this was about the fault in our stars not about sea salt by the way yes. we should leave this the salt behind but pepper is the way more important of the brain always take pepper over salt yeah probably yeah yeah i have a question for you for me? Patrick, but yeah, but Hope can try to answer it, too. Okay. How do you think it is that this generation gets romance films in this form? There have been a lot of these, like, illness, tragic romance films. It seems well, to me that I mean, there's more of them today than there were when we were teenagers. Yes. I mean, you know, just from a practical standpoint, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Fault in Our Stars made $300 million on a $12 million budget. You think it's just and, commercial? Yeah, I mean, I, I read a couple articles that said basically that, that the reason you get, you know, what is it, five feet apart, and I can't remember the other one, uh, me and something in the dying girl, Gus and the me girl, and the dying girl, something like girl. that. 
um, that those all come out after Fault in Our Stars just has this massive worldwide box office. So, I mean, in a, at least in terms of the films, like, you know, Fault in Our Stars demonstrated that there is a huge market uh, for these kinds of movies. So, I, think, I think it's more than the market. Otherwise, our book knew all different would be just people write this just because it sells, right? But underneath selling, like I always am looking for sort of the cultural power behind it. Like why do these films speak so strongly? Because I both have had, both had a response to the film that wasn't entirely positive. Yet, as Hope says, I think it really speaks wide, wide number of people her age today. Why is that? It's not because it made money. Like there's something, something driving it below the make that made it make money. I think something my is only getting every other word. Hope. Patrick, you know I wish I could control it, but I'm doing my best. When um, you're yelling at me, I hear all of it. So you should just try yelling at me. What do you say? Um, I think my generation gravitates this tragedy because I'm not saying we have it worse than other generations, but I think there's either, um like kind of sadness generation. Able to the watch kind of what generation? Her generation. In my generation. I really lost Sorry, my generation. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, I missed what, what you were saying about your generation. I missed the way you described them. I think because as a generation, like, people always kind of label my generation, oh, they're depressed and they're sad. Um, and I don't think at some level that's kind of true. And for me, um, being able to live in it when it's sad at the end, um, where there was hope at the there's something about that that really... Um, it makes me feel like that kind of love is possible. And actuality, I look around me and I don't think I can live in that movie. That movie has that like death and loss and you're talking about sadness in generation. I think is really interesting. Is so then is it like all of Hope's generation Hazel? I don't know. What do you think? Are you asking me or Hope? Are you? Oh. Uh, well, I mean, Hope was talking about, you know, sort of living through the pain and suffering, which is basically what Hazel does. It... And so in a sense, is it that, you know, sort of this generation, for whatever reason, sort of sees themselves as Hazel's? But it's the for whatever reason that I think is really, I, really interesting. Like it's a generation where the happy ending isn't happy. It's like wanting to believe romance or a happiness that's not real. Terrible. Definitely think that's what generation. But also, I know like I cried a lot watching this movie. I cry watching every movie, especially during this. Movie. I know like at the end of the movie sat there and I kind of had like an existential crisis um, thinking about happy endings and are they really 
I think kind of a good feeling. Ask yourself those heavy questions and, and get emotional about them. I, I like that. And I think my is in a way think it's interesting that there's like that enjoyment and sadness because you know when i watch films like this i don't really sadness and in fact this film felt manipulative and to me like i i'm pulling the strings to, to did you say it like, felt manipulative alan yeah like like yeah kind of see the puppet strings in the in the manipulation of emotion but i still think it doesn't undermine hope's point uh, like there's something like there's a sadness in you that you're trying to work through maybe i don't mind the minute sometimes it feels so good to let those watching movies provoke maybe, maybe that there's something wrong with me in that but i i think that's valid no like it's not the post 9 11 world 11 is like what do you like there's something in this world like if Oh, to me, that's a really interesting to understand who you are. Say, though, that first kiss at the Anne Frank house, it just rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed oh me the wrong way. Oh, my God. That is so wrong. That, I, yeah. Like, oh, we're in the Anne Frank attic. Let's make out. And, oh, and again, that was another moment where I was like, yeah, that might work better in a book but when you actually see them making out in the Anne Frank attic it was just really yeah that was a moment where I was like oh and then the slow clap I did enjoy the slow clap from everyone around them they're doing uh, it in front of people and people are applauding them it's yeah just, I, I disagree with you Patrick I don't even think it could work in a book like I, it I doesn't work in the book I don't know how yeah. you do that scene in any format yeah people are just like ugh. Yeah, no, that was another one that was... There's just a lot of this movie that... that I think in a lot of ways, this movie just does not seem realistic at all to me. Okay, but can that you talk about... The main it, characters don't seem all that... I mean, Hazel's not terrible, but, but you know, Augustus and, and you know, the parents. I, these are the most indulgent parents I think I've ever seen. Um... And then, yeah, like, just so much, like, they're just, oh, we're going to go to Amsterdam today. And I'm like, okay, that happened quickly. And uh, No, I think you're misremembering. There was a big, big fight about whether or not they were going to Amsterdam, okay? You, and they, You mean they the big fight that was exactly a two-minute scene with the doctors, and then it's like, oh, oh it. Uh, my, my main complaint about the parents is that the father in no way measured up to the mother. What? I think he's so, he's well, so like, sweet. Laura Dern is such an accomplished actor. That's and true. And the guy this is true. opposite her just seemed really dwarfed in that role. I felt bad that he didn't get to go to Amsterdam. I thought the whole family was going. I'm like, oh, apparently dad's staying home for reasons. But was that was there. the other thing, too, is, is you know, sort of the... Um, the plot line for Laura Dern's character, like when she, um, you know, tells Hazel, when Hazel's like, oh, you're just going to like off yourself after I die because you have no life. And she's like, oh, well, I'm actually taking social work classes. Like that just didn't have any buildup for me. Like that just kind of came out of nowhere. 
and then the whole thing with with Augustus's mom and how Hazel changes what she says at the funeral based on, I guess, like the cheesy, cliched sayings the mom has in the house. Like that was, I was like, okay, so that's apparently important, but they just, you know, it did, it didn't feel like it had any kind of build up or anything to, to work for me. Me, it's not quite as clever as it thinks. Yes. Well, just kind of like your your manipulativeness for me. There's a lot of times where the movie thinks that it's really, really clever, and it really shows that it thinks it's clever. Have you ever watched the John Green YouTube channel? I have not. Good. I think I think the the puzzle pieces will get into place for you. I guess Hope's been quiet for a while. Have we have we depressed her too much? Well, I just want to say you were not realistic enough, necessarily, but I would point out is um, Augustus's relationship with Isaac. I that's one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. I really like Isaac, and I think I don't know the name of the actor, but I think he did a job of make Isaac so relatable to. Um, I think that's but very he disappears for a very long stretch of the film. He's not a main character, kind of. I know. I mean, that you know, to, for me, I, I I liked Isaac too. I just you know, I kind of noticed at one point, it's like, what happened to Isaac? And then he comes back at the end, and and I don't know. He just seemed. I I, I kind of would have liked to have seen more. Again, he he was good. But I don't think he was as he didn't resonate as much for me as he could have just because he's gone from the movie for so long. I think both sides of the debate that you and Hope are having can be that like John Green be not quite as clever as he thinks he is, a bit manipulative. He's writing something that really is connecting. I don't remember where I was going to go with that. But, um, I don't complain as much. About not being as clever as it is, which I definitely do. There's right, like there's something there that makes me. Oh, it makes me. Aren't we in all in some ways? Sorry, it makes you what, Alan? Concerned for her generation. Yeah. Like, spoke to you when you were seventeen. What was the move? Like, like the was it? Um, when I was seventeen. Well, I, that I, would have, oh, that would have been 1990. Jeez. Okay, so like in the, in the late 80s, oh, like was it The Breakfast Club? Was it Pretty Pink? Was it anything? Was it the Molly Ringwald movies? Was uh, it Ferris Bueller? No, it wasn't Ferris Bueller because I haven't seen Ferris Bueller. Uh, um, so The Breakfast Club, I will add because I don't see how that is. Yeah. It's the same thing without the sadness. What was it for you, Patrick? I'm trying to think like what it would be. I'm not sure. Google up, you know, late '80s films, and what what's that movie for what you? About you. I'd have trouble answering that question too. Jeez. Oh, well, Alan, you should just you should look up late '80s films and. Yeah, just use. Oh uh, boy, I'm looking here. And the Outsiders did not speak. Never saw the Goonies. You never saw the Goonies. I did see the Goonies. I did like Goonies. Oh, Princess Bride's on here, so that's... Uh... 
but you know, Princess Bride spoke to me later. I would not say that it spoke to me. Uh, uh, oh, I've got the answer for you, Alan. Um, Top Gun, Dirty Dancing, Back to the Future. What's my answer? Heather's. Oh, well, I was in college by the time Heather's came out. Oh, I was in high school when Heather's came out. Uh, like, I guess that says a lot about me. <laughs> I would argue that very few of these things and right now that we talked about and Oh, what movie resonated for me in the 80s? 16. Oh, St. Elmo's Fire? No, Beastmaster. I loved me some Beastmaster. I love Beastmaster, too, but that's... I'm talking more of the romantic comedy. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, Master different genre. About 16 Candles, Dirty Dancing. See, that's the thing. I don't know that I saw those when they came out. I think I might have seen them in... Like afterwards, about Footloose. Nah, no, no, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I didn't care for Footloose. This was a terrible. I might go with oh, um, oh, I know what I know what it would be. Say anything. I said minutes ago. <laughs> what you said? Say anything. Huh. Oh, you must have cut out. I didn't hear you say say anything. You just weren't listening. Or the other no you're still cutting out like two third or a third of the time i'd probably say yeah say anything would be the one that resonated for me yeah, okay but but that's a very oh that doesn't i remember how that they don't, they don't end up together do they yeah they do they end up on remember they're on the they leave on the plane at the end he does get on the plane with her at the end yeah because so, it, it ends with the whole you know most plane crashes happen in the first, you know, 10 minutes of the flight. So if the seatbelt sign comes on, that's when you know you're okay. And it ends with the seatbelt sign dinging off. So. Uh, okay. Well, Which like, the fact that I know that probably demonstrates how much that movie resonated with me. It's interesting though. It's, it's the, it's, it has the same unrealistic romantic qualities as Fault in Our Stars. It just has a totally different ending. You know, I find myself not enjoying a happy end. Because they're so unrealistic. Really happy. I mean, you know, her dad's in jail. Say anything is for uh, bilking seniors out of their uh, money from the nursing home he runs, if I recall correctly. Which is also a, an unrealistically romantic film made in the eighties. Most of where these, nobody who built got in trouble. Most of these movies end up together in the end. I watch them, and it's just so unrealistic. Um, that I find myself being drawn towards realistic movie. Well, our stars real, realistic. I mean, except for the sadness in it. I'm saying that the the that what makes it real is that it's sad and tragic. They don't end up together. Like that, say anything would never really way in. Yeah, it's like preparing you for. It's depressing. It's depressing. What's depressing? Say anything or fault in our start? What is life? The, the, or, life. The, the, oh, okay. Thinks the, the, the tragic, depressing quality of the movie, fault in our stars, is what makes it real. That, like, the plot and everything can be unreal. The tragic, depressing nature of life is fundamentally real. Whereas in Say Anything, message is the opposite, right? Not tragic. They A little bit. Together, I, might, have I might. 
I might say it a little bit differently, Alan, is that I think in Fault in Our Stars, the tragic ending is real. But for me, the characters, by and large, do not feel like real, actual people. Versus in Say Anything, they feel more like real people, even if the ending is, you know, happy and and forced. Which I'm not sure. I mean, Say Anything at least leaves some question as to... I mean, you know, they're they're just now embarking on their relationship, so it's hard to say like what happens to them. Uh, well, the, the, the film doesn't end by suggest. It's not like the Graduate. They head off together, and you know that it's. I haven't seen Graduate either, so. I would have to. I would have to go back and watch. Say anything. I don't remember that movie as being like a real serious. Wait, you guys well, haven't seen the Graduate? I have. I have not. Oh. I was like, is there a movie I've seen? I you guys made, haven't? That's why I just made the reference to it, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> you seen it, Rich? I have. Wow. Patrick, you got to catch up on the graduate, man. And now, wow. it was part of a film class. Hey, how do you feel about Say Anything? Do you remember them being real characters? Wow, so it really speaks to you, too. Patrick are about the same age. I think by the time it came out, maybe I was too old to be taken in by it. You're only five years older than me. That's not like a, a distant era. But Vicky says that the, the relationship between the father and daughter was compelling. Didn't say anything? Yeah. yeah. Patrick doesn't think, oh, wow, so. No, 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 I was, no, that was it. Yeah, I was agreeing. We'll have to go back. We should do say anything at some point on this podcast. No, we probably should. Are we just going to go straight to the 80s and do all the 80 movies? Not all of them, because I can't watch all of them again. Mm. I mean, to me... It's hard to watch 16 Candles with uh, the Asian character. I to, to me, I guess it says everything about me that Heather's is definitively. Like, Patrick said it. He and Hope would definitely say it. Heather's is the movie that most speaks my school person. It's the best movie from that time. Heather's. Oh, I, I, like you know, I, I liked Heather's because its ending was so profoundly sad. Same. I feel like yeah. I really just exposed my gem. Maybe just my parenting. <laughs> Expose both. Both. Yeah. So I've got another another thing that bothers me about the fault in our stars. What's that? Um, all of the emphasis on Augustus losing his virginity. I thought like it that, was funny. Yeah, except for the fact that I'm pretty sure Hazel also lost hers, and that's never mentioned. Like it's just all about Gus. The way that it really oh, sort of seemed to set seem to center Gus's experience and not Hazel's. I, I, I hope. Because he was the center of a joke. He made a joke about himself being a virgin. So that was why the emphasis was on him. Yeah, but but again, I mean, it just, it just seemed, I don't know. I just found it really like, is, do we not care about Hazel's experience at all? Like, it's just all about, Yeah. You know, I, I just found the way it really seemed to be centering Gus's experience and not Hazel's at all. There's another thing about the film that rubbed me the wrong way. It feels to me, Patrick, like you're softening on the film and on his character. 
not calling my calling him Augustus anymore. You're calling him Gus. It's like you're becoming friends with him over the course of this podcast. No, I'm not. And you, you, first, you're like Augustus Waters is just, and now you're like, yeah, it's just annoying oh, to call him Augustus Waters all the time. That. It's just it's, it's, it's bodies by the time we're done. Also, yeah, no. Hazel no. Grace wanted it to be about her. She about her. I think she's the kind of person that would that puts it all out in the open. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, she and doesn't lie. She doesn't hide her feelings. Can I do a quick timeout here, Rich? Mm-hmm. We get together for the Cthulhu on Thursday. Yeah, the backup character for Patrick. If his character, bounty hunter, doesn't make it through, could you please make it based on the Augustus Waters character? I'm pretty sure I get to create my character. Rich, said uh, you've never actually confirmed it. You know, you asked me about that. I thought you said asked you about what. Back. About who decides what character you become. You had us all write our character, so I wrote my character. Oh, those are just names, though. Rich said that if your character didn't make it out, he had other characters written that would step in. Oh, yeah, no, I would just assume I would create a new character that that joins the group. Well, there's pre-generated ones that would make it quicker for you to get into the game, say, that session. Oh, but that's no fun. Neither is sitting there for an hour watching other people play a game. Okay, so what you're telling me is I should probably come up with a backup character already. That's good to know. Yeah, ready to go. At about okay. 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, can I give you a couple fair or fouls? I've got a bunch of fair fouls. All right, can I give you one? Okay. From Alexis Sears of the Johns Hopkins. Okay. I have a several from her, but I think, because um, she complains about the sexism of it, but I thought you'd mm-hmm. like this one. It bothers me to hear people speak Green as though he is a modern-day Shakespeare. No. When really the writing is the literary equivalent of a Seth Rogen movie. Oh, While geez. the type of entertainment has its place, <laughs> it's important to recognize it for what it is, rapid entertainment. Yeah, I'm going to call that mostly fair. I'd say 75% fair. Really? Yeah, I think for me, there are moments in the book where I'm like, this is actually kind of philosophical. Um, but then most of the time I'm like, okay, this is just dumb entertainment. But I do think there's a place, like like she said, for that kind of entertainment. Patrick, do you think it's just entirely fair? Entirely fair. I mean, the comparison to a Seth Rogen film may be a bit harsh. Uh... Well, Seth Rogen's funnier is the problem. Like, that's the, yeah. the comparison I have trouble making is that but but you know for the most part yeah I would I would I would agree. Uh, speaking of which, I've I've got a quote from from one of your favorite people, Alan. Favorite people? I didn't know I had yeah. favorite. For fair film, yeah. This is a quote. This is uh, at least part of this quote is from John Green. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So so talking about sort of the making of the movie, he said, "quote I didn't want to sell it." Because Hollywood sucks at making unsentimental movies about illness. Ugh. And then going on, uh, what convinced him was that uh, Wick Godfrey, who is the producer of this film, as well as the Twilight films, uh, said, quote, and this, this is what convinced John Green to let the movie be made. I'm going to make a movie that doesn't sentimentalize these characters. Our lead actress is going to have cables in her nose. Our lead actor is going to have one leg. We're not going to pull back from that. That's yeah, 
it's it's horrible and i think it's it's foul on a couple different levels i i have a hard time imagining him not wanting to sell the book number one okay um number two he wrote a book okay i haven't read it it feels like it was probably overly sentimental in places it was yes that he's not writing a hard-hitting expose of living with cancer no he's mm-hmm. definitely um then the rest of it it just it just feels like him cover like i he if you're an artist i don't think you need the youtube channel i think he's looking to make money is what i think so i'm going to say foul on that okay i have one that's not about a movie that movie, mm-hmm. but it's about John Green. Can I read it to you. Okay. I don't know. Can you? <laughs> uh, it comes from Cameron Garrett. She was writing for the Huff Post. Mm-hmm. When she wrote this, it caused a huge internet kerfluffle. Mm. What she wrote about John Green. It's a little bit long, but let me get through it. Quote. Okay. I bet John Green thinks people don't like him because he's a dork or a nerd or whatever. When in reality, it's because he's a creep who panders to teenage girls so that he can amass some weird cult-like following. And it's always girls who feel misunderstood, you know. And he goes out of his way to make them feel important and desirable, which is effing weird. Also, he has a social media presence that is equivalent to that dad of a kid in your friend group who always volunteers to quote-unquote supervise the pool party and scoots his lawn chair close to all the girls, end quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I think by the end of it, it's getting in a place that's probably, you know, not not having, you know, not having read John Green, not having seen anything he does, not knowing him at all, I can't really say. I mean, the idea of kind of him creating this cult, I would sort of, he, he does kind of have a, a cultish following, I would say. I, w- I would agree um, with him. I feel like I don't know enough about John Green himself to like assume any of these things about him. Right. Well, it led to this huge internet blow up, you know, of people who didn't know John Green taking both sides of the argument. He John Green just... is a creep. John Green isn't a creep. It kind of gets back to the Ansel Elcourt stuff that we talked about, Elcourt, at the beginning of the show, where he's been accused of sexual assault recently. And it's become this huge social media showdown among all kinds of people who have no idea what really happened. Yeah, they have yeah. a bunch of comments on social media. Um, and it's all a bunch of people. And they're all attacking him or attacking this girl, where I feel like we should kind of stay out of it. I think it's important to um, investigate serious accusations. I'm not trying to take away um, from the victim in this scenario. But I also feel like cancel culture is really dangerous. Still there, Hope? I think they can be really dangerous to just cancel someone and ruin their career immediately. I'm not saying he's innocent, but I'm just saying I think we should stay out of it until there's actual evidence. Well, his career should be canceled after the Fantastic Four movie he did. That was bad. I don't really blame him for that. Like that, well, I mean, he did sign on for it, I guess. Yeah, it was bad. A bad movie. There, was, there is one thing that I did like about The Fault in Our Stars. What's that? 
Um, when Hazel goes to meet uh, the author Van Houten, and he tells her that her questions about you know what happened to all of the characters after the end of the book, when he tells her those questions are stupid, that was one of the moments that I agreed with. So realistic. What was that? So realistically depressing. What do you mean? I'm not sure what you mean, realistically depressing. Because it's true. Like, when you die. Sorry, I lost hope after she said when you die. Well, she's just saying that, like, capturing a reality both in his his the, the author being such a jerk but also like the randomness and unfairness of life in some way um oh, no. i don't know or from but a, of course, a the the literary standpoint of you know characters in a book do not have a life outside of what happens in the book right yes no absolutely like I, and so those those kinds of questions drive me nuts but it's why you don't get to say at the end of say anything you don't really know what happens you know anything could happen you have to those characters end where the movie ends yes is light chiming off like that's it and Mm -hmm. to try to say well you know serious things could happen to these people nothing does right unless there's a sequel but we can always hope i've got a fair about Patrick often likes stuff I pull from Common Sense Media. Oh, Common Sense Media is. Oh, but no, I've got a really, I've got a really good fair foul for you. Do you want to go next? Yeah, yeah. So this hey, is, uh, this is actually from Shailene Woodley. This is not uh, how we do fair fouls, but okay, I like the no, twist. No, it's, it's Shailene Woodley on whether uh, she considers herself a feminist. Does she what? This is uh, her answer when asked, "Does she consider herself a feminist?" Oh. Quote, no, because I love men, and I think the idea of raise women to power, take the men away from power, is never going to work out because you really need balance. My biggest thing is really sisterhood more than feminism. I don't know how we as women expect men to respect us because we don't seem to respect each other. What year is this from, is what I must ask. I'm not sure. She later... In another interview, did refer to herself as a feminist, but I didn't. I couldn't find what year. I, I'm assuming it's around the time the movie came out. Thing is, her point about sisterhood, I think, has value. About feminism is 100% completely foul. Yes. The idea that feminism requires the diminishment of men yep. is a cultural myth propagated by people who don't want feminists. Tearing down mm-hmm. men is not what feminism is only about equality. What about one group is That's not a very good quote, I think. No. Hence why I chose it for fair power. Feel as though you you really didn't like the movie and you're doing everything you can to find, even in the fair or foul, quotes that will further further I do. make your point. I do feel like you're being a lot harsher than necessary, Patrick. Well, this is what he does. This is... Hey, Patrick, can I read you a quote from Common Sense Media? Sure. It fair or foul? The way it's titled, You Don't Let Kids Watch. 
just perfect. Wait, sorry, you cut out halfway through the title. I, I didn't hear what the title was. Yeah, the title is Do, Don't, Let Kids Watch. Okay. Sounds like I cut out, but I didn't. It's Do, Don't, Let Kids Watch. Okay. Here's the quote. Quote, this was a very sexual movie, not appropriate for kids or teens. It will influence your kid to have sex and do drugs and to drink. Not appropriate. How is this a sexual movie? What, what? So you're saying it's foul. Yeah. Okay, they drink champagne once. And they, they have sex in a hotel room in Amsterdam. It's consensual. Yeah. Actually, Just... she's not old enough to give consent. Oh, don't. Yes. Was So what do you think? Was this a very sexual movie that will uh, I would say no. Drugs oh. and drink? I did oh, not they find don't? it a yeah. I did not find it a a particularly sexual movie. No, it is right. a movie with a a fairly PG thirteen sex scene in it. Right. Almost a PG scene. I'm sorry, but yeah. we're really complaining about sex now. Like, complain about violence. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Why do no, we no, like no, kids violence? Is fine. Not sex. No, violence is violence is fine. Sex is normal. We because we live in a country founded by Puritans. America. Actually, technically, historically true. Yeah. I got a bunch yeah. more quotes. Patrick, do you have others? Oh yeah, I've got others. Want to go next? Sure. Uh, let me see which ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, here we go. This is from Amina. Corberte of the Daily Targum. Uh, okay. Quote, unlike movie series like The Twilight Saga and The Hunger Games, this movie adaptation, The Fault in Our Stars, was not a franchise and consisted of just one novel and a corresponding movie. The fact that a lone movie was able to resonate so much with an entire generation broke the previous mold created by these franchises and others. Yeah. Okay, well, number one, the, the mold hasn't been broken because franchises continue to be cranked out. I, yeah, yes. the mold is broken. I do think it's interesting because I generated, I was in sixth grade, everyone was obsessed with the Hunger Games and Divergent. All of them see I think that's interesting because all the mold still exists. Yeah. I found it really interesting just because uh, what I found interesting is the idea that a single standalone movie was completely revolutionary when that's actually what we used to have before the rise of the blockbuster. It seemed to me that it was a statement kind of only in the context of like the blockbuster franchise, would you say that, you know, oh, a, a movie that's just kind of its own one-off thing is really revolutionary and breaking the mold when that's actually what a lot of movies used to be. Well, they kind of all were, right? Yeah. My take was different, like thinking, like, because I think there's another angle to, to approach that that quote from too, and that is, while there is not a sequel, there's not like a trilogy of The Fault in Our Stars written by John Green, mm -hmm. the way in which he has cultivated a fandom, cranked out a series of books that aren't technically sequels to The Fault in Our Stars, but all kind of fall into that genre like he's he kind of built his own right like this and paper towns 
and and did they they did looking for Alaska too, right? Yeah. That that in fact he has built a franchise. It's just it's not a Star Wars franchise. It's a John Green franchise. Yeah. So, five feet of um, fun is also a star. All of these movies that are really similar. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe but, the Fault of Our Stars was unique when it came out. Yeah. It was, in fact, building a franchise. Yeah. I've got I a quote about that. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is from Karen Han at Polygon. Uh, quote, terminal teens have become fairly common in contemporary young adult romances. From The Fault in Our Stars, Jane Lee Woodley has cancer, falls in love with Ansel Elgort. To Me, Earl and the Dying Girl, Olivia Cook has leukemia, falls in love with Thomas Mann. To Five Feet Apart, Five Feet Apart, Haley Lou Richardson and Cole, Prout, Cole Sprouse both have cystic fibrosis, fall in love with each other. Some movies handle terminal illness thoughtfully, but many others use it solely as a gimmick romanticizing death and ignoring the actual difficulties of sickness. Hey. Oh, that's, I definitely think it's true. Yeah. I saw Five Feet Apart um, with my mom in the theater and I thought it was complete garbage. I definitely felt like it romanticized um, cystic fibrosis a lot. And I felt like it was a billion times more manipulative than The Fault in Our Stars. Um, and I think there's definitely part of that in The Fault in Our Stars, but not as much as some of these other movies that are more recent. So to follow up on that, Patrick, I have a second quote from Common Sense Media from a, a, just a user who posted to it. Uh-huh. He is a um, an intensive care pediatrician. Oh, okay. He writes, I have sadly seen many teenagers die. Nothing, and I mean nothing is more wrong in the universe. And I guess this movie gets that point across. But he goes on to say, but the acting was really terrible. And I find it so disrespectful to the teenagers that are really dying to use the sadness of their horrible fates as an outlet for the rest of us to weep in a theater is as, as if it were happening to us or our families. It is not. Hmm. I do see how it exploits story. It's the gimmicky thing that Patrick in, in Patrick's quote. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, again, I mean, you could make that argument not just about fault in our stars, but any of the of those kind of medical drama rom coms, what have you. Like, I'm thinking about Patch Adams or something like that. I think there was a complaint about Patch Adams as well. I wouldn't say the acting was terrible, uh, particularly Shailene Woodley. I thought she was perfectly perfectly good in the film. Uh, what was that hope? I just I feel like idea um as as if it were happening to us or our families, it is not. You I you don't know if, if someone's watching this movie and they and they see someone they know well, in it or if they connect to the story. Let in me a yeah, way. let me build further. This idea that like you shouldn't weep unless it's happening to you or your family. Like it shows, it, it, it's a very limited idea of empathy. Yes. I mean, it's a very, well, it's very unempathetic that you can only it, care about people if their situation somehow directly bears on yours. Like it's a, it's a, like you said, yeah, it's a very narrow 
definition of, of empathy. I mean, that, that, I mean, one of the things that literature does, or literature potentially does, is create empathy towards people that are not like us. Right. I mean, I would say, you know, something like, you know, the effect you see of a book like Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is that in, in reading that, it made a lot of people turn, it, turn to the abolitionist cause. Um, that, you know, that, that's one of the things that literature can do. And so to, to yeah, I, I, that, that's a very, very narrow and, and problematic idea of empathy. I think he's onto something that it, in terms of the manipulativeness that we've talked about before. Yes. But that, that, that last sentence just sits poorly with me. And I think it says something about our culture in a way that, that like we've just, we've gotten so poor at empathizing with others that we just assume that we can't. Yeah. Well, or, or, you know, we, have gotten so poor at empathizing with others, we only care about others if it also affects us. You know, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, that's the whole, um, I mean, you can see that attitude under the whole all lives matter response to black lives matter. It's exactly what I was thinking about as I was talking my way through it. Yeah. Is that it captures a lack of empathy. Mm -hmm you can only explain all lives matter on some level by thinking about lack of empathy. Yeah. The, 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 well, I mean, I mean, literally all lives matter is basically saying, you know, acknowledge me. It, it, as underneath the rhetoric of all, that's exactly what they mean. Yeah. And, it, and, and the other thing it means, you know, the, the other side of that coin, Patrick, is they're saying, um, don't recognize the black experience in this country. Mm. Yeah. Or, or yeah, don't recognize it. Don't recognize it as unique. That's what I mean. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, understand that we're all the same. This whole yeah. bullshit. Um, Ooh, language. All puppies. It's all, it's all like equal opportunity. And so if you're not, you know, mattering, it's only because of some fault in yourself, not in society. About the language, got a little fired up there. A little bit, a little bit. That's okay. We can we can bleep that in post. Excellent. Thank you for doing right, that. Richard. He's like, we can, but I won't. <laughs> At the most honest thing that's been said on the podcast today. Yeah. Oh, I could yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm choosing not. not to. Hey, I'm a little hurt that this thing that you completely don't get paid for, you aren't devoting more time to, Rich. That is the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was oh I forgot I, I forgot to tell you Alan so uh, I was talking to Amanda the other day because yeah. um, you know part of the NH, NEH grant they have is to do a series of podcasts <laughs> and so she was asked she's like yeah I might need to talk to you and Alan about what you do particularly like what do you use to edit the, the podcast like, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we don't edit the podcast at all so we are That's... fundamentally useless to you I would That's love that... if he was like Oh, and, and it just gave you a bunch of stuff and said, all right, go for it. <laughs> just we, you two we, sitting in a room trying to hook mics up. We do some editing. We create an intro every week. <laughs> we, collectively speaking, I create the content. Rich manipulates it a little bit. Bada bing, bada boom. You'd <laughs> yeah. be surprised how much I manipulate it. I'm pretty sure Rich just posts it like as it is to the web. You'd he be surprised how much I manipulate intro. some of it. Create mm -hmm. the intro. That's a kind of editing. Right, it's yeah, also really easy true. to move stuff around. 
with audio editing. Yeah. You didn't say you're doing sophisticated no. editing. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I, I just I forgot to mention that that I just thought it was funny that that Amanda was like, yes, I need to talk to Alan and Patrick about how to do a a professional podcast. I'm like, well, number one, uh, that word professional is a problem. Oh, on two at least two levels immediately. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I I I found I forgot to mention that to you. That yeah, she was like, what do you guys use to edit? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure not much. Can I can I ask you a question? Do you find the Fault in Our Stars sexist? Do I? Did you find uh, the movie sexist? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. I feel like the movie, even though Hazel is the narrator, I feel like the movie centers uh, Augustus Waters' experience more than hers. I, uh, I also feel like there's ways in which the point of the movie almost from the beginning is that Hazel has a lesson to learn that um, almost from the beginning, the movie kind of sets up this idea that she's not dealing with her cancer well, and she kind of has to learn, you know, a better way to deal with her cancer. And I, I, I that, that rankled me a little bit um, in terms of like, the doctors and and even her parents and, and and then obviously Elcourt's character comes in and becomes like the model for you know how Hazel should be. So I, I felt there were um, elements of the film that that well I think I just basically described the whole film. So I should say yes, uh, I do find the film uh, a fair amount of the film sexist. I think that's interesting. I mean, you guys know me. I'm. feel that Hazel needing to learn a lesson was sexist. Um, I feel like that was just kind of real life. Like we all have lessons that we learn from the people that we meet. Um, and I'm a big believer and we meet people for a reason to teach us those lessons. Um, not Sorry, I'm not getting anything from Hope. Yeah, I hope you oh, all, we lost you completely. Okay, so Hope was talking about how I have trouble with or John Green in his novels struggles to to present diverse people. Oh God, yeah, this is a very white film. Voices and <laughs> I, I would go back to Alexis Sears from the Johns Hopkins newsletter. I have more stuff from her. She complains about him rarely featuring women of color in his writing. But she also writes this about his books. They are, quote, annoyingly sexist. For mm. instance, Green describes the female characters' astonishing looks for hundreds of pages, while male mm. characters don't receive the same treatment. That his novels yeah. are no more than male fantasies to paper. Not having read the books, but I could certainly see elements of that in the film. I mean, I mean people comment on Hazel's appearance a lot in the film. Much more than, than um, Augustus's. You guys there? Yeah. No. Everybody's no. listening. Thinking. Um, doesn't seem like The Fault in Our Stars has done really well today. It has not. Um... And I see Hope's perspective. I just would like to say that yes. I think... There's definitely a generational divide that 
affects how we view. Um, I think that's definitely a big influence. Clearly, there's a generational divide in the sense that Alan and I come from a generation that can look at this film objectively, and you come from the generation that John Green is clearly trying to manipulate. I think, Patrick, I'm not trying to attack you, <laughs> I think that you can't see it from my point of view. And Well, Patrick and I might like to think that we have a detective on it, given that John Green is of our generation, we have trouble seeing I agree. I also struggle to see your perspective. It goes both ways. Yeah, it's a happy ending. It's a happy ending, right, Patrick? I don't know if it's really... You guys have cut out again. What's a happy ending? A film? That we, we can't understand each other. It's good. The happy ending is that we can't understand each other? That both generations are deeply flawed. But we're trying to, and that's what matters. We're having a conversation. Empathy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a happy ending. Yes. Have anything else to add about the movie? Uh, she probably thinks we're running a little long. Yeah, we no, are. I think we're good. I think I've covered everything. Yeah. So the real question is. How much did Hope enjoy our first installment of, of her rom-com idea? I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy getting in trouble and getting yelled at for coming out every five seconds. Um, but besides I'm sorry, you that, cut out. I didn't hear what you said. Uh, tell me you're kidding. because I, will... I am kidding, yes. I am kidding. That's why it was funny. Oh, that's why it was funny? Sure. But I enjoyed having a conversation. I think it would be great next time we do this to watch something from the late 80s. I'd be yes. down. We should do say anything. I was going to say, we should do say anything. And we can see if have a generational divide. Did I? Do I get on board with the happy ending? Who knows? That's we'll right. We'll have to see. Mm -hmm. I know John Cusack has good politics. Just, I don't, the movie never spoke to me, I guess, because I was more of a Heather's guy. Mm. Heard, heard really important stuff today, if you think about it. For the Fault in Our Stars, we talked about mm -hmm. cancel culture. We talked about mm -hmm. salt and depth. And pepper. A little bit of pepper. I feel like pepper didn't get the attention it deserved today. No, no. We should probably do like a whole show on salt and pepper. That seems like a good. How would you feel about a show on condiments? That would be so boring. Oh, we, oh no. We could that. totally argue condiments for. But problem. you should do like music. Hmm. Hey, Alan, here's an interesting fact. On your whole, you know, Heather's and say anything sort of represent different generations. Yeah. You realize Heather's came out the year before say anything. Yes, but talking about like, the way they spoke to me, Heather's spoke to me in a way that say anything just did not speak to me. For you and Vicky, it really spoke to you, and Vicky doesn't care for Heather's. Oh, see, I like Heather's too. I like them both. Oh, so maybe you're in the the bridge gap then. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. No, I liked. I, I. I mean, I think the first time I saw Heather's, I was kind of weirded out by it because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as as into satire and things. But no, I really. Yeah, I know. I love Heather's. But you've grown to love it. But the first time when you saw it young, you were uncertain about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I enjoyed it, but it was a little. I found it a little like that was a strange movie. There's the fault line though between two of you. Oh, but it so perfectly describes my job. Like. 
What perfectly think, describes Hope's generation? Heathers? It's like, yeah, it was like an early adopter. Like, hmm. letting us know what was was coming. Anyway, like, I bet Patrick is anti-relish. No, I love relish. Love relish, relish is disgusting. I love relish. relish. Is hard. Pickles, too? I love well, pickles. Pickles are great. Okay, ketchup and mustard? Mm -mm. Uh, I generally just go mustard. Ketchup? What? I mean, I like ketchup on fries, but not like on hot dogs or burgers. That's what you do. You, you do mustard on hot dogs and burgers. You do ketchup and mustard on, on, on both. No, 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 no. Mustard and mayo. That's what you do. That's a good comment. You could put mayo on mayo. as well. I mean, veep mayonnaise. So, so I guess maybe we agree too much on the condiments to have a good show about it. Yeah, possibly. Our only real moral side. Well, who would have thought we'd start with the Fault in Our Stars and end with condiments?